back to the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you here on the show. It is a Thursday, August the 24th, 2023, and boy, do we have a special lineup for you today. Three for three, we're calling it here on the podcast. There's three of us involved, myself, Clint Lamb. Clint, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Travis. How are you doing today, brother? And last but not least, of course, I'm doing great. Thank you for that, Clint. Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, what's going on, my man? I know you're chomping at the bit at this point. Thursday, as we record the start of the football weekend, that's what I call it. When I wake up every Thursday morning, this time of the year, it's the start of the football weekend. Amazing, isn't it? We got zero week action in college football. Uh, I'm going to be in Nashville for Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Got some family ties to that one. So looking forward to uh, navigating the construction process, it looks like, up there in the Music City on Saturday evening. We'll see how that one goes for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Kind of a optimistic crew up there under Clark Lee at this point of his tenure. But, of course, we're going to talk a lot about Alabama on today's show. And what we're going to do, the three of us are going to address three topics, three questions for this 2023 Alabama team. And so what we'll start with is we're going to get things going quick. We're going to go with most important player for Nick Saban's team during the upcoming season. And, you know, Clint, I'm going to start with you. And as we know, not necessarily sometimes talking about the top NFL prospect on a team when you talk about most important, but in terms of value, the guy who projects at the top of this list for this team in 2023. And we'll start with you, Clint, who you got and how did you get there in terms of the selection? Man, I went back and forth with several guys, all defensive guys too, by the way. Now you can make an argument for, you know, that the offense is really the side of the football that everybody's concerned about. But for me, do I think he's going to be the best player on the team? Not necessarily. But when you talk about most important, I think so much is going to be dictated based off of the play of Jaheim Otis. Uh, that's a little bit of an unorthodox pick compared to some of the other guys, you know, the Dallas Turners, the Kool-Aid McKinstries. If you want to go bold and want to go Caleb Downs or someone like that, I totally get it. But with Jaheim Otis, Alabama wants to put an emphasis on stopping the run in 2023. It's something that they struggle with at crucial moments of big games. They had a good run defense, which you when you look at the numbers last year. But I think when you talk about you know being able to stop Tennessee's run game and forcing them to be one dimensional or LSU, whether it be quarterback run or through your traditional you know run game, they just they struggled at times to stop the run. They put themselves in bad positions as far as second and shorts rather than putting, you know, second and long, third and longs. And they weren't able to get to that cheetah package that they wanted to utilize enough last season, in my opinion. A guy like Jaheim Otis, and even though he's dropped weight, I think they're going to be able to move him around a little bit more uh, than maybe they did last year. I still think his ability to be an impact player as far as commanding double teams, stopping the run, uh, you know, that's going to open up things for your off-ball linebackers and allow them to make plays. I mean, when you look back at Rolando McClain and Dante Hightower and, and – you know, the success that they had, obviously they were both phenomenal players, but you had Terrence Cody in front of them who opened some things up and allowed them to make plays. Uh, it's something that Alabama has been missing. And I think Jaheim Otis can make a significant impact for this defense. I like it. You're never going to get a qualm from me, Clint, when you go with a big guy, whether it's the offensive line or the defensive line. Uh, we talked about it. I know we've written about it a lot at BamaOnline.com and the imposing of will has been more about the offensive side, it seems like, in the 
preseason and even going back to spring drills. But certainly, it's got to start on the defensive side as well. So I like Jaheim Otis there in that pick. What about you, Jimmy? Uh, let's hear your pick. Who you got? Uh, almost almost boring, but also the most exciting subject, and that to me is quarterback. I think the most important player on this team is what I'll refer to right now as the nameless, faceless quarterback. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow in game one. Uh, Nick Saban addressed quarterback in his comments last night. He did not name a starter. He did indicate one guy as, as sort of – he said it sorted itself out. I'm assuming that's Milrow based on who's taken the first snap with the first team at every practice in spring, at every practice in fall, at every scrimmage. So Jalen Milrow, but look, Milrow may not be the quarterback all season. It, it may, it may, he, he could lose that spot to someone else. But the fact of the matter is Alabama would like to win the SEC West. Alabama would like to win the SEC and, and, and play in the playoff and even win games in the playoff. You can't do that unless your quarterback is playing well. It's just impossible. Now, you can minimize the quarterback's role in the offense. You can take pressure off the quarterback with things you can do in the run game and play well around him. But it is inevitable. If your goal is to win a championship, you're going to be in tight games against good teams, and your quarterback has to make something happen in the fourth quarter and not give the game away. So, to me, Alabama's success in 2023 is dependent upon the quarterback position. You don't have to win a Heisman. You don't have to be the SEC player of the year. But you have to not give away the games and make a play or two when it counts. I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow to start the year. He may or may not hold on to it all year. But in my mind, the most important player, regardless of who it is for Alabama in 2023, is the quarterback. Yeah, we talked about this on the podcast even earlier in the week. You can be more complimentary in nature at that position, but it is certainly whistling past the graveyard if you think you're going to go 14, 15 games without that guy stepping up on more than one or two occasions. You can go back to 92 with Jay Barker. Yes, the Sugar Bowl was not a memorable performance for Jay against Miami in that win. Same for Greg McElroy in the 2010 BCS championship game win over Texas. But go back to the Florida game, the SEC championship game for both those guys. And they made some plays, no doubt about it. Greg was the MVP of the uh, the. The 09 SEC championship game, as I recall. So absolutely, I like that pick as well. I'm going to go with another big guy. I'm going to go with J.C. Latham at the offensive tackle position, and primarily because when I think about that spot right now, I'm thinking about a true freshman starting opposite J.C. Latham. So if something happens to J.C. Latham, what are you left with? At the tackle position, is it Elijah Pritchett? Do you start getting creative with some guys that maybe you cross-train between guard and tackle in the past? Uh, I'm going to go with J.C. for a couple of reasons. Also, what his presence sort of signifies or what it's supposed to signify for this particular team. Because, again, the word physicality, we talked about it so much. And you know the plan is to get going in the run game, especially with Latham on that right side at 360 pounds. So, I like it, guys. We got some variety there with that most important pick. Um, let me ask you this. Who was maybe next up for you, Clint? Uh, was it was it that close, or was it pretty easy for you? And, Jimmy, then we'll get your response to that as well. 
Well, like I said, I, I more so focused defensively. Offense is obviously crucial. And I mean, quarterback Jimmy makes a great point. I mean, you live and die by the quarterback in, today college, in today's college football, you know, most of the time. Uh, you know, Caleb Downs, I was con I considered him just the fact that I think you can do a lot of different stuff with him defensively that you weren't able to do last year, even though I think there's going to be some limitations early as just as far as how much you can trust him. You know, he's going to probably make some first-year mistakes. It's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, you got Kool-Aid McKinstry locking at one side of the field. I almost went with a generic, we'll just go with the entire offensive line uh, because I do think that's absolutely critical. But, um, you know, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry and just the fact that you have one of those spots completely locked up Last year, that kind of that was the case a little bit. Uh, there were some times, especially when Eli Ricks came in, I was actually surprised at how often teams chose to target Kool Aid rather than Eli when Eli was the starter. But for the most of the season, Kool Aid was the guy that you were trying to avoid. And the problem is, on the other side, they didn't have somebody who could take advantage of that. You know, Tyrion Arnold, Eli Ricks, when he was in there, play, you know, played some pretty good football, but he wasn't healthy. Never fully got comfortable in Tuscaloosa. Kyrie Jackson and, and his one start. Um, this year, I think that Alabama will have some complimentary pieces on the other side where it won't be, I wouldn't call it a liability last year, but just they, it wasn't as opportunistic as it could have been or as I think it will be this year. But the, the main reason for that is because you have a guy like Kool-Aid McKintree who's completely locking up one side of the field. What about it, Jimmy? Yeah, I really like that. And uh, I'm going to stick with with offense and uh, say, you know, the first time I said the nameless, faceless quarterback, <laughs> this time I'm also not giving you a name. I'm going with the committee of guys at running back, the committee of backs. The stable. Uh, I think it's, it's hugely uh, impactful this season because what you're trying to do is take the pressure off the quarterback. I think everything Nick Saban has done in this offseason has screamed, we're running the football. He hired a, a guy from Notre Dame who's got that reputation of being kind of a power guy. He signs a transfer portal tight end that's a block first, you know, tight end. He's got inexperience at quarterback. Nick Saban has said he wanted to run the ball. He signed two of the best three running backs in the country in the last recruiting class and, and Richard Young and Justice Haynes. Alabama's going to run the football this season. It's going to be an emphasis. It won't be a return to 2008. It won't look like 08. It won't look like 09. But there's going to be an emphasis on running the ball. So hugely impactful, important players to the Alabama success, Roy Dell Williams, Jace McClellan, Jan Miller, and Justice Haynes, because I think all four of them play crucial roles. And at any point in any game, they could be the guy on the field. Uh, I think it'll be a true committee. I think it will be all four uh, making huge contributions to Alabama success in 2023. Yeah, I I was splitting hairs a little bit between Latham and Kool-Aid. I think the addition of Trey Amos gives me a little bit of more of a sense of security at corner if something were to happen to Kool-Aid uh, with Terion Arnold, with Kool-Aid. Uh, I mean, with uh, Trey Amos, I think that you know Earl Little could give you some work there as well. you got some talented young corners that you brought in, probably not quite ready yet. Um, and kind of the same thing with Seth McLaughlin. I considered Seth McLaughlin at the center spot, but you do have a veteran around in Darian Dahlcourt, who has certainly played a good bit of important football at the position for Alabama if you get down to it. So let's shift from those with obvious value 
to those who perhaps aren't being given their due. Jimmy, you get first crack here. Who's your pick and what in, went into making the selection for your most undervalued Alabama player? When I think of undervalued, I think about under-talked about. I think about we don't appreciate this guy enough. And very weirdly to me, the guy we don't appreciate enough might be the best player on the entire team, and that's Will Reichard. I mean, Will Reichard may do his job better than anybody on the whole team does their job, including the Kool-Aids and the Lathams and the Dallas Turners, who are clearly elite first-team All-American type players, but so is Reichard. And in a year where the offense is, is the question mark, where the quarterback is the question mark, where you're going to be running the football a little more, where there might be fewer explosive touchdowns than we've seen in the past two years with Bryce Young at quarterback, I think Alabama's more dependent on the place kicker situation this season than the last two. And you've got maybe the best guy to ever do it at Alabama. And think about the big kicks he made last year at Texas, at LSU to get that game to overtime. He, of course, missed the kick at Tennessee. I think that probably helped him make the decision to come back personally. I don't think he wanted to go out on that. I, I think Reichert's the best guy to ever do it at Alabama, and I think Alabama's more dependent on him than ever before. And even though he may be the best player on the whole team, he's still a little underappreciated and under-talked about. His decision to come back in 2023, we may be talking about by the end of this year, guys, that may have saved the season for Alabama. Good stuff, Jimmy. Clint, give us your most undervalued guy and why. I was dead set on going with Malachi Moore originally. Um, and then I've now shifted focus because really when you think about it, if Terrence Ferguson were to win the offensive, you know, the the left guard spot, which we don't think is going to happen at this point with Tyler Booker moving over, or, but I, I guess that could still happen. I haven't heard anything about him switching over to right guard up to this point, but you would have been talking about a top 100, uh, former top 100 recruit there. You got a guy like Caden Proctor, a five-star. You got Tyler Booker, five-star. You got J.C. Latham, five-star. But the guy that we don't talk about enough, which you've already brought up, is Seth McLaughlin and just what he can provide for you at the center position. I understand you got valuable depth behind him. If you know he goes down, you got an experienced guy in Darian Dowcourt. But with McLaughlin, um, you know, you actually watch him on an individual basis. And I wouldn't say that he's an outstanding center. But one thing that you have to say is that whether it be in 2021 or at times in 2022, when he was in the lineup, the entire unit seemed to play better. And I don't know if that's just because he's a more effective communicator. I don't know if, you know, I can't exactly put my finger on it, but I do think that you know, this guy was one of the, the lowest rated signees in his respective recruiting class, was able to earn a starting job, or at least, you know, once injuries happen, now he's the full-time starter from day one. And I think he's going to be absolutely huge. And just his experience and the fact that he's such an effective communicator amongst the other offensive linemen, if you're going to have a unit that's going to achieve what we think it can achieve, uh, you're going to have to have that guy at center, which they've had in the past with Ryan Kelly, Bradley Bozeman. There's been several centers who have been very effective. I think Seth McLaughlin gives Alabama another one of those guys. And I think we don't talk about the importance of having that piece as far as your entire offensive line. The star power means a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that, you know, you really need the guys like Seth McLaughlin to really make the whole thing go. Yeah. Prudent picks for both of you guys and really guys I had right here on my list. Um, and with that, 
what I'll do is I'll probably shift more to the defensive side of the ball, although I think Roydell Williams certainly has a chance to qualify for this one. Maybe Ja'Cory Brooks, who, given what he's done in some big moments the last couple of seasons, probably we should talk more about him or have talked more about the junior wide receiver. But I'm going to go Justin Aboigby as that fifth-year guy on that defensive line and coming back from such what had to be a traumatic situation for him. It seemed like – I don't think it seemed like it was. Uh, his career was very much in peril after the injury – uh, before the end of the first half of last season. And I'm just kind of expecting, I'm not going to go ahead and say he's going to be a double-digit tackle for a loss guy, but in terms of every down effort and the expectation that he'll be a guy that transitions from package to package to package, uh, yeah, hair on fire is what I'm expecting in terms of effort from Justin Aboy because I think we even saw that from him in the A-Day scrimmage. Some guys look at that, especially vets, as kind of like, Three-quarters speed, maybe thud it, you know. Justin was looking to uh, maybe set some new A-Day marks, it looked like, back in April. Uh, like all the picks, guys, and let's transition now into the toughest game for the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2023. Our third of three questions for this team. Let's start with you, Clint. You look at the schedule. Texas, Tennessee, LSU, even Texas A&M there in early October in College Station. The biggest challenge for the Crimson Tide between now and the 1st of December, Clint, is? Well, for, first of all, I want to point out that this is not going to be my pick, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if we're sitting at the end of the year and we're like, man, that that last game against Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium and Hugh Freeze, <laughs> that ended up being way tougher than a lot of people were expecting uh, just because of the Hugh Freeze factor, the, the stadium factor, the crowd. Alabama's had some tough moments there. They pulled some of them out, and they've also lost, so – you know, I think that that could be one. But for me, I think originally I was on the LSU train. I think that being at home, I think the timing of the game, I think Alabama will be a lot more confident at that point in the season and who they are. They will have figured out their identity and they will be able to win football games through that. Uh, if we're correct on our assessment as far as the run game, as far as the defense playing at what we expect to be an elite level, all of those things. Texas, though, just the, the timing of it, the fact that you – won't know exactly what you have. If Nick Saban heard me say this, he'd probably get really mad. But I don't think you'll know exactly what you have as far as your team is concerned after a game against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, so you're still trying to figure some things out as far as the quarterback battle. You know, how does Jalen Milrow look if he ends up being the starter? How much does Ty Simpson play? Does one of them end up winning it outright? Is Tyler Buckner involved? So I still think that just the fact that you haven't got that position settled, you really don't know you, you find out what your weakness, your true weaknesses are in those big moments of those big games. Uh, and Texas, just to me, what I think helps Alabama is the fact that I think they are going to be elite defensively. So while I do think that Texas is going to present a lot of challenges as far as the, the offensive side of the football for them, quarterbacks, they got receivers for days, should have effective play at running back. A young group of offensive linemen last year has now turned into a seasoned veteran group with a lot of talent it finally seems like they're taking that next step. And that's why Texas has not been Texas in a long time, is those guys up front. They've recruited the position well as far as star rating. They have not developed that position well. And I think they're finally getting the development side of it. You've got Steve Sarkeesian and his familiarity with, with Nick Saban. I understand it's in Tuscaloosa. That certainly helps. But for me, it would probably be Texas at the end of the day. Jimmy, I get a sense that this might be a three for three for the three of us on this topic. Uh, where are you going with this one? Yeah, yeah, Texas, 
Texas uh, explained it uh, really well. I, I feel the same way. Uh, it's the timing, the timing of the game, first and foremost, that Alabama hasn't figured out the quarterback situation, and now you're playing one of your biggest games of the year. In fact, when the season's over, guys, I'm not going to be shocked when we look back and at the end of when the Auburn game is over, uh, and Clint may be very well right about uh, how, how squeaky that may be uh, at, at Jordan Hare. But when that Auburn game's over, we may look back and say, you know what, the best team we played all year was that Texas team, that team that's won the Big 12 and is, is headed to the playoff. Uh, I, I, they, they have that type of ceiling. So they may be just the best team Alabama faces all season. But really what clinches it for me is just simply the timing of the game. You're sort of forced to be in a position to maybe play your best game of the year to win. And it's in week two, and you're not really sure who the quarterback's going to be. Last year, the difference in the game, guys, was the quarterback position. Uh, Bryce Young won the game for Alabama at the end, no question. Quinn Ewers' injury early in the game may have affected the outcome, possibly. And, of course, Hudson Card, once he was in the game for Texas, Alabama was able to really kind of control the game defensively and keep Texas off the scoreboard. So quarterback won the game for Alabama a year ago. Now fast forward one year, Texas has the veteran. Texas has a guy the NFL's interested in. Uh, his talent level is clear. He's also been a really inconsistent player to this point. But I don't know that you can find anybody outside of maybe the city of Tuscaloosa that doesn't believe Texas has a big advantage at quarterback in this game, very similar to what Alabama had a year ago. So the Texas game is scary. Uh, it's maybe the best team you play all year, and you're kind of now in a position where you have to play potentially your best game of the year in week two. So it's Texas for me. Yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say Quinn Ewers is going to stay on his feet if he sees an on-rushing Dallas <laughs> Turner. This time around, I don't think he's going to jump in the, the air and try to make a pass with Dallas coming into his face or into his uh, chest there. So uh, it's a good pick. I, I think it's Texas, too. I probably would have went with either of the Texas schools, to be honest with you. I know that may come as a bit of a surprise to have A&M in there. But again, I think what you guys are getting at as far as timing of when these games show up on the schedule. Yeah, Alabama coming out of September should be far more rooted in who it is and who is on the field, but it's still early enough and you're going on the road to College Station. Now, I don't have a lot of trust in the Aggies and Jimbo Fisher, even with Bobby Petrino coming in there, even with Connor Wiegman at quarterback and all those weapons on the offensive side of the ball and five former five stars on the defensive front for A&M. But, uh, you know, it's proven to be a tough place to play in the past. So, I'll go Texas as well. I agree with you guys. It's it, it's a lot about roster, right, when you make this kind of pick. I know you guys do the same thing. You check rosters, and that's where your eyes go immediately. So you look at Texas. You look at LSU. Now, Tennessee is still down that list, but there's sort of that magic dust that Josh Heupel has right now on the offensive side that makes you respect uh, the viability of the balls in Tuscaloosa there in October. So interesting picks. And hey, appreciate you guys making this happen for us here. Three topics for three BOL staffers. And check us out. We're even we're even in our on three gear, you know, even though guys on three, they're a little bit, they're a little bit slow in, in getting the the swag out. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do something about that. We got the universal hats. I think, I think, no offense, Travis, I mean, you look phenomenal, but I think Jimmy looks the best for sure. 
Uh, <laughs> I wish I could rock a hat like old Jimmy over there because I certainly cannot. Yeah, you know, I, we'll officially have made the varsity when we get BOL hats. But a lot um, of compliments. Yeah, a lot of fun. Jimmy, hey, thanks for doing it. Oh, man, this was a blast. I uh, enjoyed talking football to you guys. Uh, heck, we don't even have to do it on the air. On the air is great. Off the air is fine. Let's just talk ball. It's football season. Yeah, just do the group text. You know, we could just uh, make those content updates or something. You know, maybe Charlie, folks would enjoy those. Charlie would really enjoy all the text. Blowing up his phone. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to drag Charlie on here before long. He kind of been hiding out, but I'm going to go get him. And we're going to get him involved with three for three here on the Bama online podcast as well. Thanks again to Clint and Jimmy. Thanks to you for checking us out. Be sure to hang out with us there at BamaOnline.com. The Roundtable, that's our premium message board. That's where you're going to find out everything first as it relates to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tim Watts, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings, Clint, Jimmy, and the aforementioned senior writer, Charlie Potter, myself. We're all right there at BamaOnline.com. Until next time, so long, everybody. <laughs>